Welcome back to Team Talk, ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, Sam Hauser, Scott Galetti here till 7 o'clock tonight. Dodger baseball at 8. They're at home against the Colorado Rockies. Have it for you here on ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, well, of all the events, of all the stuff in sports to keep up with, late last week we had USC and UCLA. We had a Kevin Durant trade request. And also in there was International Fight Week in Las Vegas leading up to UFC 276. So I wanted to bring Micah Frankel onto the show. He's with us on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline. You hear him Saturday mornings with Mike Adams 2.0 here on 101.7 The Team. He was in the thick of all of it in Vegas last week. So, Micah, appreciate you making some time. Just give us you know, a, a couple of the highlights. I mean, there were tons of interviews that you got to do, people you got to talk to about about the fights, about going into the Hall of Fame. Like It was just it was such a, a, a big to-do for the fight game for, for UFC and everything last week. So just take us through some of the highlights of, of Vegas. Well, one of the most funny highlights has to start off with talking to John Anik. It's an emotional night on the red carpet. He's watching his broadcast partner and dear friend Daniel Cormier go into the Hall of Fame. And I couldn't help but ask, by now we've all seen it across social media, the reactions that you guys have on your face when there's a knockout, it's priceless. Who actually screams the loudest at the broadcast booth? And John Anik telling us, hands down, Joe Rogan could break oh, yeah. glass like an opera singer if needed. Uh, that was a great moment to the sincerity uh, of Cub Swanson and the way he has changed his life around from where he was as a youth to the fight career he had to inspiring fighters and doing things inside and outside of the fight game. This was a truly touching moment for him. Uh, also got a quick moment with legendary coach Rafael Cordero, so that was really cool. Uh, you take that all the way to the intensity that there was all week from the co-main event, Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, where they respected each other. You could tell by... The time they were in front of the media on Wednesday last week, they were sick of thinking about each other. They were sick of talking about each other, and they wanted a decisive finish to this trilogy, and that's what Volkanovsky provided us. You had Adesanya with the most incredible walkout in UFC history, Mm. leading to a somewhat controversial performance is not everyone is loving the aggressiveness or lack of aggressiveness with tactical ability that Adesanya composes. There's so much, and I even touched on UFCX, getting to have a couple moments and stuff there on the team's website to have a conversation with the former light heavyweight champion of the world, Glover Teixeira, who his full desire and focus is on convincing the UFC that that fight was close enough, obviously seconds away from him winning a decision, how can we not have a rematch? Got to talk to rising stars like Amanda Hebus and Chase uh, Hooper to also talking to retired fighters like Claudia Gadelia. There's a lot of content up, and it was a wild week. It, it, it really was, and there is there are, are oceans of content 
on one on our on our social on one one seven the team Twitter and Instagram that even post uh, post pay per view post fight week still going back uh, still worth going back to to go back and look at and Scott I know I know you saw a ton of that you were keeping yourself entertained over the weekend. No, I was, and Micah did a great job, and we worked hand-in-hand hand getting the stuff posted. And by the way, you can also go to 1017theteam.com uh, on the uh, website, uh, uh, on our uh, uh, webpage. You can hear all of Micah's interviews posted there as well. So we got you covered on Twitter, Instagram, and on the team website. But, Micah, I want to ask you this. In terms of one of the things, and I don't think it was a surprise to some, but maybe it was – uh, Cowboy Cerrone, he had talked about, you know, doing more things in the future. He loses his match and then right away says, hey, I'm retiring. Were you surprised by that? And if not, why not? And what led you to believe, if you did believe, that he was going to make this announcement? The writing was on the wall. There seemed to be a real urgency from Cerrone here, not just to reschedule the Lausanne fight, if we'll recall, he had the bout with food poisoning, not canceled that fight in Phoenix. Unfortunately, Lausanne has a knee issue after the weigh-ins in Austin. And then when the UFC says we're not going to do that matchup, to see that Cerrone immediately hopped on this short-notice fight with Jim Miller, you kind of wondered if something was up. Did he want to make that announcement? Was it such a desire to fight because there had been so much put into this camp? And as soon as he was submitted, you could hear uh, a line of murmurs around the media. You think he's about to do it? You think he's about to do it? Jessica I had retired earlier in the night, and you kind of just felt that same vibe. Now, easily to say, if that head kick lands flush and Cerrone wins by knockout, would I have been surprised to hear him say he was still going to fight out his contract, get that one or two more in? No, but I think it was also a realization of the results that occurred. It's just not his time anymore. He had said his heart wasn't into it. He got the fight in front of his boys, and we'll still see plenty of Cowboy Cerrone. He has big plans on the big screen. You know, one of the things I also wanted to ask you about one of your interviews that you did, what was it like interviewing Glover Teixeira? And I'm sure you have in the past, but, uh, you know, just on that stage. And, oh, by the way, you got to be on the red carpet also. I was envious. Oh, well, first off, Glover Teixeira walked up to the light heavyweight champion of the world. Do you have a moment, sir? Um, wasn't scheduled to be doing interviews that day. That's what Gracious I thought. enough to get Exactly. Gracious enough to give us some time, sat down, and to hear him talking about his life journey and talking a little bit about the fight, the desire for the rematch. We know that we could see the end of his career coming up, and he's talking about, you know, Madison Square Garden, Brazil. Both of them would be big moments for him to be able to return to those arenas. So there's a lot of great content to hear him talking about it. And, oh, yeah, I couldn't help myself. I had to ask him, because he coaches the young man, how good is Alex Fajeda? So we got a lot of great stuff in that interview. And I was a little awestruck to the point where I forgot to ask him, and I really meant to, uh, to ask him if it was that he was about to go to sleep or was it the neck crank of the choke that got him to submit to Yuri. So I got one question that I'll still need to ask him the next time I see him. 
We're talking to Micah Frankel here on ESPN Radio 1017. The team, he's on Team Talk. He's on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline. He was in Vegas for International Fight Week and for UFC 276 at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. And so you're you're there for Fight Week, seeing the Hall of Famers uh, from, from years past, Micah. A couple of years, however many years it is down the road, do you think we'll be seeing... Uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone at one of those inductions. Is there any question in in your mind? I mean, he he said at the end of his at at the end of his interview, he hopes he gets in the Hall of Fame. Is is there any question in your mind? There's no question in my mind because we look at a guy that, as he leaves, was a company man, took every fight on short notice that they possibly could ask him to. He's the all time leader in bonuses at this point. He's in the top three in all time fights and all-time wins inside of the octagon. Normally, the fire themselves being enshrined in the Hall of Fame has been a right reserve left for former champions, but I feel that the longevity of his career in the UFC and how much he did for the company, there's a special case. And if nothing else, there's quite a few of his individual fights that once you go back and look at them, you're going to be like, that has to go in. I don't know how, even though it was only... 76 seconds long, how his one-round war with Melvin Gillard will not one day end up in the Hall of Fame. It's not many times that you see three knockdowns, Cerrone even going down once himself, in a matter of 76 seconds. So whether it's him or three or four of his fights getting enshrined, I think we'll see Cowboy on that red carpet soon. Main event from the night from 276 Saturday night, uh, Izzy Adesanya beats uh, Jared Cannonier, defends the middleweight title, what what's left for him to do at this point, Micah? I mean, his only loss of his career is against Jan Blahovich the time he tried to go up to light heavyweight. In f- for my money, he I, I think it's worth trying again because just looking at where he is in the middleweight division, there's just th- there's nothing left for him to do. At least in my mind, I'm curious, especially with that fight going the way that it did, and you know, he, even he was talking afterwards. You know, people were booing that it was that it was uneventful. It just seems like there, there's really nothing left for him to do at middleweight. The fight did not play out well for him at 205 pounds. But at 185 pounds, the UFC has done this amazing job of being able to create a story that we can sink our teeth into. Alex Pajeda in the feature fight knocked out Sean Strickland. Pajeda, the two-division glory world champion in kickboxing, who is and 2-0, a decision and a late come-from-behind knockout victory of Israel Adesanya. He is the number one contender. He is someone that Izzy has had success against but could not beat. And this is a guy who put down Sean Strickland. Strickland was known for his durability. Being able to walk down here some strikers like Uriah Hall on the six-fight win streak. And Alex Behetta put his life out and sent him to another plane of existence with two punches. This is an intriguing storyline because this is a guy that has promised and has a skill set to make Izzy fight in a way that we did not see, in a way that Cannonier did not have the tools and the ability to cover the distance, to match the speed, or to match the technique. Pahada on the feet has that ability, so it builds that intrigue. We saw early on this card a uh, Dietrich D. Plessy and a... Andre Muniz, who continue their win streak. So there are young, talented middleweights coming up in the division. And the only thing left in the division besides these defenses is the overall legacy. They're still chasing Anderson Silva. Now, we know 
that Adesanya beat Silva, but that was a at-the-end-of-the-line Anderson Silva. Silva is still ahead of Adesanya in middleweight title defenses, and will we know that it may be a bigger challenge at 205 pounds because his takedown defense will great at 185, had a bit more trouble with 230-pound men. I still think that Adesanya has a couple more things to share up, and he can continue to build that legacy at 85. There was maybe a 95 division. He might be the right size for that one also. But the size difference and strength is so eye-opening against Blahovich that I think Adesanya understands he needs to keep paving this road to catching Anderson Silva. Micah, always good talking to you, sir. Thanks for the time and awesome stuff in, in Vegas last week. It was a lot of fun to follow along. Oh, thank you, guys. Always great getting to talk to you. You as well, Micah Frankel. Again, you hear him Saturday mornings here on ESPN Radio 1017, the team as part of Mike Adams 2.0. All of that still, it's still on all, on, as Scott said, on 1017thetheam.com and on all of our social media platforms, as is uh, the conversation that we got got a few minutes with Alexander Volkanovsky leading into mm-hmm. his fight with Max Holloway uh, as well. Still a lot to follow along with. I mean, if, if that, that was... If, if you're a UFC fan, Scott, and, and you couldn't make it to Vegas, I mean, that, that, was, that, that was a fight fan's dream just to follow along with all that. No, I know. It's it just with the Hall of Fame the whole weekend. I mean, it was like Super Bowl-like festivities. It was great. Uh, it was put on well, and it sounds like there were some great, great fights as well. As as we're talking about, you know, what a time it is to be alive just watching the, you know, the continued evolutions of college sports. I, I, I will admit, I was a little afraid to ask Alexander Volkanovsky about this leading into his fight. He he wins, uh, he beats Max Holloway again, so he's won all three meetings in the trilogy. But, you know, we're talking about what a time it is to be alive in college sports, and you have the the guy who's the, the, the front-facing representative of UFC. I mean, he's not at, mm-hmm. in the, you know, he, he's not in... The official capacity, the, the the official title, at least I should say that he once had, talking about Dana White. But I was, but after after uh, Volkanovski Holloway too, you have Dana White goes up to the podium and is like, ah, these judges are these judges are on something, and they're you know like the, you you have a guy who just defended his 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 championship, and and you have the front facing representative of the sport being like, ah, these judges don't know what they're watching. These guys are idiots. Blah blah blah. It's like it, it it's like Rob Manfred's piece of metal uh, comment talking about the World Series trophy just every couple of weeks. Well, it's also like Rob Manfred giving out the uh, Cy Young Award winner and saying the guy with ten wins was the best pitcher. 